Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Hawkeye Nation, to a Wednesday morning episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I am your host, Andrew Wade, and we're going to talk a little bit about the Iowa women's basketball team and how dominant they were in last night's victory over Penn State. And then we're going to hop into a pretty early 2022 Iowa football schedule preview. Who is going to be the toughest team on their schedule? What are the toughest stretch of games? And what is the ceiling in this season? Excuse me. We're going to be talking about all that on the show today. Before we get to any of that, though, I want to thank you all for making the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast your first listen every single day. You can find the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast for free wherever you get podcasts at and also on YouTube by searching Locked On Hawkeyes. In the last night's basketball game, the Iowa women's basketball team absolutely dominated Penn State 170 107 to 79. And the first question is, can Caitlin Clark get any better? I mean, she's been so impressive the last five, six games. It is truly amazing. In this game, though, she set a Big Ten record for assist in a game with a ridiculous amount, 17 in this game. Overall, as a team, Iowa had 37 assists, an Iowa women's basketball record um, on the night, several players hitting double digits and points scored. McKenna Warnock, 25 points. Monica Shinano, 24 points. Kaylin Clark, 20. Gabby Marshall, 12. Um, an overall very dominant performance by the Iowa Hawkeyes against a 9-9 Penn State team. Um, to this point, we talked about it yesterday. This Iowa women's basketball team has a pretty rough stretch ahead, but they are starting to really hit their stride as a basketball team. They had a lot of issues early on in the season, having games canceled, postponed, delayed because of COVID, and we saw the impacts of that. Now the question is, can they get their legs together to be able to play this tough stretch of games? Communication, consistency, that won't be a problem because they're going to be playing so many ba- so much basketball over the next couple of weeks, but do they have the stamina, the durability to be able to handle that? Anytime you have Caitlin Clark on your team and Monica Gennano, you have to be feeling pretty good about yourself. And McKenna Warnock has really come on strong the last couple of games as well. They feel pretty good about Iowa's chances in the next stretch of games. This is a team that if they can continue to be hot like they have been six straight games, they've won. This is a team that we can be talking about as an Elite Eight Final Four contender that we were talking about early on in the season prior to a little bit of a struggle. Turning our attention over to the Iowa football team, um, we are going to do a 2022 Iowa football schedule preview. Uh, it's never too early to be talking about these things. And there's been so much transition and change on this schedule uh, from a team building perspective. You look at Wisconsin as an example, right? Wisconsin has a lot of significant losses on the defensive side of the football. So you might be thinking, this is an opportunity for Iowa. But we're going to be talking about some of the things that Wisconsin has done to build this program back up. Three transfers in the secondary. What about Minnesota? Yes, they've lost quite a few people, but who are they returning? And can those guys carry Minnesota to a solid team 
record next year. We're going to be talking about all that. So let's get into it, starting with the first four games of the season. Then we'll move on to segment two, which will be Michigan, Illinois, Ohio State, and Northwestern. But first, Iowa starts their season out with South Dakota State University, Iowa State, Nevada, and Rutgers. If Iowa doesn't start the season out 4-0, something is very, very wrong. Now you look at, first of all, South Dakota State University should be a win. We've seen Iowa struggle at times in those early season games, but this is a different team under Kirk Ferentz. They have the ability to handle adversity. They have the strength and the toughness. So they might start off a little slow, but I expect them to be able to win that game handedly. Then you go on to Iowa State. Now what to expect from Iowa State? Well, if you listen to any Iowa State fans on Twitter, you would think Iowa State just had a great season and was about to win the NCAA title this upcoming year. Right, they're about to go to the NCAA championship game and win the college ball playoff championship game, I should say, and win that. But Iowa State is in a very interesting position. They are losing quite a few players. This team was supposed to be their best team ever. They had so many senior type of guys returning, especially on the defense, one of their strong defensive units. Now, to figure out who is coming up behind those guys. They have a decent amount of, of youth. They've done a good job of recruiting. But this is definitely a transition year. And when you lose a Brock Purdy, when you lose a Brees Hall, offensively, you're going to be in a little bit of a world of hurt early on in the season, especially going against a very tough Iowa defense led by Riley Moss and Jack Campbell. Yes, they're going to have Hunter Deckers. They also brought in a transfer out of Iowa Western to compete as well. But And and Jarrell Brock is a, a talented recruit at running back. But this Iowa State offense is not going to be at the level it was over the last couple of years. It's going to take some growing pains to get to that spot, especially if Iowa State does have a quarterback battle and they can't figure out if it's Hunter Deckers or the Iowa Western transfer. Defensively, I think Iowa State is not going to be nearly as strong as they have been in the past. They had a lot of senior leaders on this team. A lot of them are leaving. So it's a really good opportunity for Iowa to get a win early on in the season. And when a team is in transition, Oftentimes, they're not figuring things out in the second game of the season in a hostile environment at Carver, or at Kinnick, excuse me. So with Iowa State losing a significant amount on defense, losing Purdy and Brees Hall, I think this should be another win for the Iowa Hawkeyes um, early on in the season. Nevada, Nevada is a a good, smaller school uh, coming off an 8-5 and season, but losing their starting quarterback, Carson Strong, who is really kind of the, the catalyst for this Nevada team. Iowa should be able to win that game with a bit amount of ease. And Rutgers is going to be interesting. They haven't lost a ton of players, and they're steadily making improvements under Greg Schiano, going from three wins to five wins and being able to play in a bowl game this year. But Rutgers is still not to that level that Greg Schiano had them previous years. He's gotten better at recruiting. He certainly has. He's done a much better job of winning some of those battles in New Jersey and at least getting his name in the ring for high-level recruits. However, Rutgers still hasn't exactly figured out. The way they've won some of these games in the past couple of years um, has has been an assortment of tricks and whatnot. Uh, Rutgers is not a team that I expect to beat Iowa, even though Iowa has to go to Rutgers. That is going to be a very interesting situation, their first away game of the season and right before Michigan. So the one thing I will say is it could be a look ahead spot. You're playing at Rutgers. The next week you get Michigan at home. 
Iowa doesn't typically have issues with look-aheads. We've seen them have letdowns after look-behinds. But I expect them to come up with a win against Rutgers in the first third of the season. Iowa going 4-0 is my expectation. Um, anything less than that would be a disappointment, in my opinion, for the Iowa Hawkeyes in their first four games of the season. Coming up, we're going to talk about the second four games. Michigan is on that list. Ohio State, what can Iowa do? It's a tough stretch of games for the Iowa Hawkeyes, so we're going to be talking about all that here in a few short moments. But first, Hawkeye fans, this is your host, Andrew Wade, and I have an incredible app that everyone who buys gas needs to know about. It's called GetUpside. My listeners are earning cash back for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use the promo code SCORE for $0.25 per gallon or more on your first fill-up. Cash back. Don't pay full price to pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code SCORE for $0.25 per gallon or more on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a year in cash back, and there's literally no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account, and you can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or even an e-gift card from Amazon or other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use the promo code SCORE to get $0.25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. That's code SCORE to put a little bit of money in your pocket every time you go to the pump. And it is a new year. We're still in January, and you probably have your New Year's resolutions going on, but you're in week three or week four, and you might be struggling a little bit with, how do I eat healthy? I'm trying to maybe lose some weight or eat a little bit healthier or gain some muscle, but you're struggling because you just want a candy bar. Well, fortunately for you, that's where Built Bar comes in. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. And it makes it easy to stick to your resolutions because it tastes so good. You're going to want to eat it. Unlike those other protein bars, which can be chalky, waxy, or taste like a chemical spill. So if you haven't tried a Built Bar, let me tell you what's in it. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, only 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compared to a normal candy bar of 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and a dozen of net carbs, why wouldn't you want to take that plunge and grab yourself a Built Bar? Did I tell you that? All these Built Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. Is it too good to be true? It's not. I've tried them. They're absolutely amazing. And you can try your Built Bars too at Built.com, B-U-I-L-T.com. And when you go there, use the promo code LOCKED15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. And again, thank you all for making the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast your first listen every single day. You can find the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast for free wherever you get podcasts at and also on YouTube by searching Locked On Hawkeyes. Let's get into it, though. We talked a little bit about the Iowa women's basketball team. We also talked about the first four games of Iowa schedule. We didn't dive as deep into those simply because I think it should be a pretty pretty easy run for Iowa going 4-0 early on in that season, especially with how many people they have returning, the fact that the defense is going to be back as well. So let's get into segment two. We're going to be talking about Michigan, Illinois, at Ohio State and Northwestern. That is a daunting stretch with Illinois on the up and up, Northwestern always being a tough team, Ohio State expecting to compete for a national championship this year, as is Michigan. Um, this is a stretch where, honestly, if Iowa goes 2-2, two and two, you're not feeling too bad about it. That's a pretty typical Iowa midseason record. Uh, we saw it this year where they lose back-to-back games, Wisconsin versus Purdue. Um, it wouldn't even be surprising to me to see them maybe beat Michigan 
lose to Illinois, lose to Ohio State, or beat Michigan, beat Illinois, lose to Ohio State, lose to Northwestern. There's so many things emotionally that go into some of these games, and depending on how the outcomes are, I can almost guarantee there could be two losses here back-to-back at any stretch of these four games. Also, it's the time of the season where Iowa is getting a little bit banged up. They're dealing with a bit more injuries at this point, um, which also hurts Iowa against some of these bigger programs. But starting off with Michigan, we saw them play in the Big Ten championship game. We know that this Iowa team is not going to be happy when they play Michigan. They are going to want to get revenge on Michigan for what Michigan did. And honestly, I think Iowa had a chance. They threw their knockout punch early on in the game. They did not land it. Michigan had a t- couple good uh, good plays. They had some trick plays up their sleeves, hit those, and Iowa had no chance after that. The b- two big differences going into this game where I think uh, three, actually, that Iowa has a chance. First, they're playing at Kinnick. We've seen Kinnick create some magical freaking moments for the Iowa Hawkeyes against ranked teams. We've seen Kinnick create some magical moments for Iowa against Michigan. I hope that's a night game. That would be an electric night game for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Secondly, there's no way this offense could get worse, right? The Iowa offense was holding back the Hawkeyes against Michigan. They were unable to keep up. They could literally do nothing. They had a really nice stretch probably the first three drives where I thought play calling was phenomenal, but Michigan caught up, was able to catch on to Iowa's tricks, and they basically shut Iowa down. There is no way Iowa's offense could be worse than last year. Now, Brian Ferentz has talked about going back to the drawing board, changing a few things up. Again, I would hope that we can see a little bit more of a modernized offense with a running quarterback who can actually get outside of the pocket. We will see how that all plays out, but I think this offense certainly cannot be as bad as it was. Offensive line cannot be as bad collectively as it was. Um, And when you have your left tackle and your right tackle literally just chop blocking Michigan's defensive ends, you have to be concerned about where that offensive line was at the end of the season. However, this offensive line having another offseason to improve and Michigan losing their top two pass rushers. Thankfully, Aiden Hutchinson is gone. He is no longer there. David Ojibo, gone. He is no longer there. And one of their starting running backs, Hassan Haskins, also gone as well. The interesting thing with Michigan, and that's actually the third piece, the fact that their defense is not going to be as good. They're losing their top three players on defense. Imagine losing a Riley Moss, a Jack Campbell, and a Zach from Valkenberg. That's not an easy thing. Iowa fortunately returning two of those three. But Michigan losing their top three defensive players is going to be difficult. Now the question is, will Jim Harbaugh return? He's been flirting with the NFL. In fact, many people are predicting him to go to the NFL at this point. If Jim Harbaugh leaves I don't think Michigan's going to be ultimately that good. I think what he did this past year was very impressive. He kind of got back to his roots. He was running the ball a lot more, playing solid defense, and they did a fantastic job with their two-quarterback system that they had. But if Jim Harbaugh leaves, I do not expect this Michigan team to make a run. I expect them to be more like 8-4 and in this season, especially because they're going to be late in the game at landing a coach as well. We could see transfers based off of that. So a really interesting situation in Michigan that we'll have to continue to monitor. But at this point, I would call this a win for Iowa. Now you get Illinois. Illinois is going to be interesting as well. What are they going to do at quarterback? They did land a transfer from Syracuse, uh, Tommy DeVito. 
to compete with Arter Sikowski, the former Rutgers transfer. Finally, Brandon Peters, the former Michigan guy, is also gone. But Illinois is a team that I don't think people are talking about enough as a team that is losing quite a bit. They've lost six. Let me count. Six wide receivers in the transfer portal. They lost their best offensive lineman. They lost their best special teams player, uh, all Big Ten punter and Blake Hayes. They lost multiple linebackers, including Jake Hansen, who's an absolute stud, and Owen Carney Jr. They lost actually three total offensive linemen, and they lost their best defensive back. This Illinois team had a lot of senior guys on this in this program. And to this point, Brett Bielema has tried to bring in transfers and bring in other guys to compete, but they're just not there yet. And especially when you, you lose three offensive linemen for a team that was predicated on running the football, you have to feel pretty good about Iowa getting a win here. Now, the only thing I would have a concern of is if Iowa has a big emotional win over Michigan, right? Think of the Penn State game. We could see a letdown performance here. However, I do not feel like Illinois is nearly capable, as capable as Purdue is at being that, that letdown performance uh, and putting together a dominant performance there. So Iowa, I expect to be 6-0 going into that Ohio State game after a bye, which is a very good opportunity for Iowa. But yet Iowa has to go on the road to Ohio State. And I just can't see it as a win for Iowa. Ohio State's offense is going to be dominant yet again. They lose their top three wide receivers, but we saw what they did in the bowl game with C.J. Stroud and Jackson Smith-Nigba. Um, they also have uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. coming back or coming here as well. So they're going to have a very elite offense, and I just don't see Iowa's defense keeping up with them, especially at Ohio State. This are at Michigan, maybe, but... I don't see it happening at Ohio State unless the bottom just falls out of the Ohio State Buckeyes. And the problem with this is you have two weeks to prepare for Ohio State. They might throw a punch early on. I just cannot see Iowa beating Ohio State in this game. Then you go and you get Northwestern at homecoming. Northwestern, I don't think, is going to be that good this year. Typically, you've seen Northwestern kind of have back-to-back years right where they usually stink one year they have a really good year the next year i could see them having two consecutive letdown years they haven't figured out the quarterback position yet they just lost their best player on the team and brandon joseph who transferred to notre dame and they have several transfers out of the program it's kind of interesting i'm actually curious what is going on within that program you see a lot of starters transferring out which is never a good sign now if iowa beats ohio state i'm touting northwestern as a definite loss Right now, I'm putting it at 50-50. I really do believe Iowa could be 7-1 and one going into that final th- four-game stretch for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Northwestern, I just don't see it as being a good football team next year either. Defensively, they struggled this year. Offensively, they couldn't get things going. Evan Hole was a fantastic running back, but Iowa should have no problem taking care of business against Northwestern in this game. Coming up, we have a very interesting stretch at Purdue. Wisconsin, at Minnesota, and Nebraska. A tough stretch where Iowa could go 4-0 or they could go 0-4. We're going to give you our thoughts on all that here in a few short moments. But first, BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports action for 2022. With a new year and a new updated desktop and mobile website, sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All you need to do is use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus. 
How easy is that? From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. All right, y'all. So to this point, we talked about the first eight games of the Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, at this point, I would say the ceiling is seven and one. The floor is six and two. That's kind of where I'm putting it at. Actually, you know, the floor is probably five and three. There is a chance theoretically they could lose to Michigan. Northwestern is always a 50-50 game. And Ohio State, I just can't see as a win right now. So I'm saying a ceiling of seven and one, a floor of five and three, going into a very tough final four-game stretch at Purdue versus Wisconsin, at Minnesota versus Nebraska. So let's look at this. Purdue is an interesting team. Purdue has always had Iowa's number, and they finally no longer have David Bell. They no longer have George Karlaftis. Thank God for that. However, they still have Aiden O'Connell, and they still have Jeff Brom. Jeff Brom always finds ways to torment the Iowa Hawkeye offense and defense. Most of the defense. Offensively, Iowa struggled with this game because George Karlathis had a heyday against a rough offensive line. I do not expect that to be the case this year. I expect it to be a more competitive football game between Iowa and Purdue. However, Purdue's offense always has Iowa's number. And Phil Parker has not been able to stop it. Every single year, there's a wide receiver who dominates the Hawkeyes. And people are sitting there saying Tyrone Tracy Jr., May not be that guy. I think he is. I think Tyrone Tracy Jr. will have a big game against the Hawkeyes. And Aiden O'Connell is arguably one of the best in the Big Ten at quarterback. I'm thinking going on the road to Purdue, especially if they beat Northwestern, they're going to be banged up at that point. I think they're going to lose to Purdue. Just how it is at this point. They had the talent to beat them, but I just, until Iowa actually gets over that hump and is able to take down Purdue at any given point, I can't see it. Now, moving on to Wisconsin, this is really the most interesting game on the schedule because they've lost a lot defensively, but also reloaded a lot as well through the transfer portal, which we haven't seen Wisconsin do very often. Three transfers in the secondary, plus they brought in a three-star wide receiver out of UCLA. The big question mark, though, is not necessarily defensively, where they have lost a lot of guys. They lost their top two pass rushers and Jack Sanborn and Leo Chanel. But what can they do offensively? Can Graham Mertz take that next step forward? Graham Mertz has basically been Wisconsin Spencer Petrus. They have a star running back in Braylon Allen, who is literally only 18. But the reason why I say Wisconsin will be the most interesting team on the schedule is they are apparently in the running for former five-star recruit Caleb Williams, the Oklahoma transfer. <sighs> that would suck. That would just absolutely suck. And here's why. If you remember back to Russell Wilson era at Wisconsin, that was one of the best teams Wisconsin has ever put together. Offensively, they had Monty Ball, who could dominate in the rushing attack, and Russell Wilson, who could run the football and throw the football with ease. And they tore up through the Big Ten. You put a Caleb Williams in that offense, and I am truly scared to play Wisconsin because no longer... Is their offense something you could probably stop? I don't know how you, I don't I don't know how you would actually 
stop that when you have such a good running game, and then you have to account for a scrambling quarterback who can also throw the ball with ease. If Wisconsin gets Caleb Williams, they are the front runner to win the Big Ten West. If Wisconsin does not have Caleb Williams, I think Iowa is the front runner to win the Big Ten West. If they have Caleb Williams, I'm counting this as a loss. If they don't, I'm counting this as a win. That's all there is to it. Moving on to Minnesota. This is a bit interesting. They have lost (laughs) seven of nine guys in the trenches. Four offensive linemen, three defensive linemen, and their top linebacker are gone. This Minnesota team predicated itself on a dominant rushing attack with Mo Ibrahim. Without those four starting offensive linemen, you have to worry a little bit about how good this Minnesota offense can be. Now, the pro to this is they have brought in several high-profile transfers to compete on the offensive line. They brought back Kirk Sriracha, who led that fantastic Minnesota offense a few years ago. They still returned Tanner Morgan and Mo Ibrahim and Chris Ottenbell, or Ottenbell, excuse me. So this Minnesota team is still going to be very competitive. I would call this a 50-50, and it really depends on where Minnesota is at this time of the season. Are they 10 and 0 or are they 6 and 4? I think if you see a 6 and 4 Minnesota team, you have to obviously feel a bit better because at that point it means they haven't quite gelled on the offensive line defensively. They're going to be a weakness especially um, for teams that are willing to run the football and that really bodes well for Iowa. Again, anytime you have Tanner Morgan, Mo Ibrahim and Chris Abbott Bell returning, that is solid but they are losing so much in the trenches. I just can't imagine them winning many battles there. I think this is going to be somewhat of a rebuilding year for the Minnesota Gophers. I do expect this to be a 50-50 game, um, but I'm counting Iowa on winning this game. Now Nebraska. Nebraska has been a thorn in Iowa's side. Despite Iowa winning all these games against Nebraska, Nebraska has always made it a very competitive game. And for a second this year, I thought Nebraska was finally going to get a win against Iowa. Fortunately, Iowa was able to take care of business. You hear a lot about Nebraska every year. People are like, oh, Nebraska is going to be good this year. Well, now you can see some desperation from Scott Frost. He's really hitting that transfer portal hard, trying to find key impact guys immediately. And he should be because they're losing a lot. And that is a storyline that has not been talked about enough. They lost their starting quarterback in Adrian Martinez. And you could argue there's an upgrade there with Logan Smothers or even Chuba Purdy um, or even Casey Thompson, the Texas transfer My guess is it'll be Casey Thompson. But they lose their top wide receiver. They lose their stud tight end in Austin Allen. And on defense, they're losing three of their top four defensive backs, three of their top four defensive linemen, and JoJo Dahman, their fantastic linebacker. This defense is going to struggle this year. Now, offensively, if Scott Frost goes to the offense that he used against Iowa a lot more triple option type attack, this team can still win a lot of games. They're not going to, the defense isn't going to hold them into this. They offensively need to get things going. And under Scott Frost, this team has really struggled in the red zone. So until they figure those things out, until they realize and learn how to win the big games, and I don't think they can under Scott Frost, I think this is going to be a win as well. So to recap, we have Iowa going six and two in the first eight games. I have them losing to Purdue. And I have them beating Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Nebraska at this point. So I would argue 9-3 and three is kind of where I expect them to be. The ceiling for this team is 11-1. and one. The floor, in my opinion, is probably 7-5. and five. 
You could look at that Wisconsin game. That could be a loss. Minnesota could be a very tough game. The Big Ten's a tough conference regardless. There's losses all around, and Iowa's going to need to play well in those close games. But that's my prediction. Let me know your prediction in the comments or in a five-star review um, wherever you got this podcast at. That will do it for our show today. I do want to remind you to check out the Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They do a great job of breaking down three to four games every single day. So you can put a little money in your pocket when you bet on those games at betonline.ag. So make sure to check that out as well. Again, thank you all for tuning in to today's episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. We will be back tomorrow with a preview of Iowa versus Purdue, the men's basketball game taking place tomorrow night. Again, thank you all for tuning in. Have a fantastic Wednesday, and let's go Hawks.